we can imagine. Thank you that you are the holy God. And so we come very aware that we're not just entering into a club or standing with a bunch of nice people to be inspired by our own self. God, we're entering into worshiping you. And so you are worthy and you are holy and you are good. And so we come here gladly saying, you are just really, really good. We're amazed and are grateful that you are good because we also believe that you are absolutely all-powerful. And all power without all good could just be so devastating, but you are both. God, help us get a better picture and understanding of you and who you are that we might worship you better. It's not about us. So much of our world feels like making us happy and making us satisfied and making us fulfilled. But the truth is, Father, it's about you. I pray we glorify you in the way we live our bodies and the things we give our lives to and invest our time in. God, may we invest in things of eternal significance, no matter where we are, what we do for a living. God, may we find people or find places where the light needs to shine. God, use us, shine through us. It's not our light. I just pray, God, that we'd reflect it. Make us good mirrors, I pray. Um, the more we know you, the more we are amazed at you. And so, Father, we just thank you. Thank you. You are the God who walks with us through our hard times. You are the God who walks with us through our celebrations. You are the joy. And, Father, someday you're the God that we'll see face to face. And you'll say, oh, I long to hear it. Welcome home. My good and faithful servant. We, we so much want to hear that, Father. So, I don't know. Transform us, I pray, God, that we live lives worthy. Uh, Lord God, I also uh, thank you for each one who is here. God, knowing full well that each one had a busy week and, and each one here has a story. So God, I thank you for our stories. May we find you in the middle of our story, God. We invite you to be at our parties, our gatherings, our quiet times, our times when we're bored, our times when we're working, God. And I also pray that same thing for the persecuted church around the world. I just hope we never forget to pray for those who are in prison just because of their faith. The, someone said that talking about Jesus is against the government, and so they end up in prison. Oh, God, make them strong. Give them life. Father, thank you now for your word. Uh, we are amazed uh, by you and at you, and I pray, God, that you teach us this morning. Open your word to us, I ask, and bless this dear congregation, I pray. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. You may be seated. Just a quick, quick brief one about this foundations class. Usually our foundations class are nine weeks. So in a foundations class, we talk about what in the world an evangelical free church is. That's what this church is. We're part of a denomination of the evangelical free churches of America. And so in that, we will teach then our doctrinal statement, what it is that we believe, and how we're different from other denominations, how we're different from Catholics or Methodists or Lutherans or Baptists. Was it, here's our unique deal. And then we'll talk about some of our distinctives of, the, of that denomination, where we all came from, and who we think we are, what we're trying to do here, and, and then also what's unique about this particular church, um, you know, what we think makes us us. So anyway, usually I take nine weeks to do that. I'm going to try and cram it all into one Saturday. So bring your coffee, you know, it'll be a long, boring, no, it won't be boring. Uh, but if you want to do it in a day, 
come to the foundations class, uh, and we'll try and make that happen as best we can. And if you got to go early, you got to go early. You know, just come and anyway, join us if you would. Second thing, what? When is that? What is it? February something. Okay, that'll work. Eight in the morning. I know. I know. I know. Eight or eight thirty? I'm not sure. Eight thirty. Oh, there you go. I half hours. There you go. Um, and, and, and then, okay, so anyway, if you'd like to come to that, you certainly may. It's not as much fun as a nine-week class, but I get it. Some of you just can't do a nine-week class, so we're going to do it, you know, in a Saturday. And, and then the second thing is, uh, some of you got my letter. Um, thanks for receiving that. You know, I'm grateful for many of your kind words. Uh, I've been here 32 years uh, in January, and Debbie and I decided that we think God's will is that we uh, turn a corner and retire. So uh, we'll be having, you know, a uh, 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 meeting after next Sunday's service so you can answer all, ask all the questions you want, like what's happening next and what will happen to us and what's going to go on here, and that'll happen right after the service. So you're invited to come and, and hear that whole story. Okay? Uh, so that's what's going to happen. But uh, let me say this, two things. To say that I have loved being your pastor is an understatement. Whew. To say it's an emotional is an understatement. Um, but God has been good in the past and will be good in the future, and I believe it. So I'm sticking with that, you know, it's really who it is. Uh, one more thing, sorry. I just can't at least not ask. Dennis, what's going on? Any word here, man? I know, I know. You sat in the back row, you thought you could hide. Sorry. Any new words for us, brother? You're going back to Africa in March for two months. I'm sorry, that's not going to work. I'm sorry, that's not going to work. No, 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 start over. <laughs> yeah, there you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God has been good to us, really. Is it all on here? I don't know how to make it go on. You know how many things go on, guys? Not yet. Long. Good. Yeah, I'll talk now. Pastor, it's eyes back in my pastor. Yeah, like, just move with the flow. Right? I'm sitting waiting for that. I didn't even know you saw me. <laughs> yeah, it, it'd be good. We we hear and our guys are busy in Liberia doing water installation, uh, water pocket installations in, in homes and villages. And now we will be going back. I will be going in Kenya with John and Ephraim. I go in March. March is 7th. My ticket is booked. And I'll be there from March all the way to the end of April. Uh, we got a team coming. Dental training. Eme, hopefully John is going to be on our team. Uh, they're going to come with Dr. Dali and some art tech guys. They will be training our folks to put it. Dental training. That's one of the things we don't have in Liberia. I was like, I don't know how many years old when I first sat for my teeth to be clean. Uh, four million plus people, I can tell you 99% of those haven't been to a dentist before. I'm serious. 99.9%, I would say. So this is going to be an opportunity to train three of our pastors who, oh, that's what they would do, travel from villages and see people who need to be, try their teeth, they would do that. And we're hoping that we develop on and on. Then another team will be coming in April. Uh, we'll be doing um, uh, chaplaincy training. 
with the military and paramilitary groups. Um, that's a link with Billy Graham um, chaplaincy training. So that that's we are excited about that because if we can train in our country, they, we have this uh, stigma on the military and the police that they are the most corrupt. So to really break into that um, thought and train these chaplains who will be ministering to their own pairs in a very military and paramilitary group is to me is a big move with regards to spreading the word of God. And then we will have past um, married counseling training going on. That's why the biggest need in our country here, you, 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 you never hear of, of polygamy and all of that. In our place, people were polygamists before they became Christians and they come in the church, they want to be active, but they still got their two, three wives. Now we have a struggle of how can we counsel these people to live right for the Lord and follow God's word. So it's, it's a great step forward. And a great excitement also I need to share with you, the continent is on a ship going. That's the pastor, <laughs> Roy, uh, Roy uh, um, pastor, I, and all, those of you who help with loading the container with a lot of good stuff, that, uh, clothes and school supplies and everything on a ship. And hopefully we'll be landing in Liberia on the 29th of March. We will be there to offload. Um, thank you. That was really a project from this church to be involved with us to get that going. Thank you all for helping. Cool. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks so much. Dennis, they've been serving Africa for us, you know, and they're doing a lot of cool stuff that God's letting them do, and so we are happy to. Uh, so thanks for the update. I appreciate that, Dennis, very much. I'm pretty sure Phil Sanfilippo's got a pair of Lyman's pliers. He could probably pull teeth. Um, you could probably pull teeth, couldn't you, Phil? <clears throat> Continue to pray for Dennis and Vinia, please. And if you sense God's heart calling you to go this year, go. You know, cool stuff. Uh, folks, a couple things. Um, we've been doing things of first importance. And I'm not sure I've ever taught you this before. So today I'd like kind of not to preach, but I'd like to teach a little bit. And <clears throat> there is something that I learned, I don't know, 40 years ago now, I guess, that I use every single week in sermon preparation. And that is how to study the Bible. Now, many of you, and bless your heart, this is a good thing. Many of you do really good things. Um, you have busy lives, and so you will get up early, and you'll get your daily bread out, and you'll read the passage, and then the, the daily bread thing, and you'll pray. And that's really, really good. That's a good thing. That's called devotional reading, where you make contact with Jesus in the morning or whatever, and that's a good thing. But there are some times, however, where you just need to go a little bit farther and a little bit deeper. So today I'd like to teach you a Bible study technique that I learned a gazillion years ago and I use every week. And for those, some of you will love it. For those of you who don't love it, hang in there with you, with me, will you? Okay, because I'm not intending to preach today. I intend to teach. So would you please find for our text 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16. It's a really familiar verse that you, many of you have memorized. You know it. I, I got that. I like to take a new look at a familiar verse. It's on page 1855 in your blue Bibles. Page 1855 in the blue Bibles. <clears throat> and it says this. 
all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, so now you know this, and many of you know that verse before. You've heard it before. And this Sunday I want to teach you how to study the Bible because the Word of God is worth studying and knowing. So here's my outline. If you're at home, get a piece of paper and draw these, you know, make your own chart. We have our own chart up here. And so we call the chart Oreo. And so on this, we're going to apply this to the, these, these verses. We're going to apply Oreo to these verses. That is to say, what things do we observe? And we just look at it. If, you, if, you, if I go to a, a, a traffic accident site, I observe, you know, uh, tire marks. But, but law enforcement sometimes observe things that I never see. They see details that I never see to reconstruct what happened. So today, I'm going to ask you to look a little farther at some of the details. Just make observations before you try and jump to the conclusion of what really took place. Okay? Um, and then, we believe that God wants to reveal himself. That, so what is it that God's saying to you? What's the revelation that God has for you? What can we learn about God from this passage? What do we learn about that God wants us to know? What's God revealing? Because we can't know unless he reveals it. We're not that smart. Unless God reveals it, we can't know stuff. And then the third over here is, can I explain everything in this verse? So if you're studying a passage and you don't know people's names, I mean, who was Hezekiah, or you don't know a place, you need to kind of go to a commentary or a Bible uh, uh, concordance or whatever and, and say, uh, what does this mean? Can I explain everything that's there? And then, this is the application part. What's the one thing in this passage that I think has got my name on it? What's the one thing I think God wants me to do? Because you can't do everything, probably. So don't try and do everything. Pick the one thing that God wants you to do. So, what do you observe? I'll go first. When I read this passage, what I observe is the passage begins with the word all. So in this column, you might say, begins with all. That's it. That's just an observation. And then, <coughs> excuse me, over here, all, in this column, we'll just say inclusive. It's just an inclusive word. All. That's it. Not rocket science, but he does not say some. He does not say most. Hear me in this one. He says all. What's the next word? Scripture, right? And so now um, we would say this one should say um, just scripture right in here. Just scripture right in this column. Just your scripture. Um, what's he talking about? This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. What's he talking about? Old Testament. Ooh. And, and because the New Testament wasn't done yet. It was being written, so in all of Scripture, and he meant to say, all the Old Testament, all the Old Testament, the genealogies, the places, the locations, all that crazy stuff, all the Old Testament 
and that which would be written in the New Testament, that's all. That's the topic. Okay. Some of you have told me that you come from a tradition where the Old Testament is not studied well. And, and it's because, in some, there's a word that's used theologically called dispensations, where some would say the Old Testament was a dispensation of law. But after the cross, we're now in a dispensation of a church age or a dispensation of grace. And so it applied then no longer applies. And so some have told me that they just did not study much of the Old Testament because what did it have to do? It's good for illustrations and stories, but it doesn't. So somebody's wrong. Either all scripture is inspired by God or it's not. Either God intends for us to know all of it, or he doesn't. It sure looks to me like all. Okay. Why do you want to study the Old Testament? What does the Old Testament teach you about God? What? Yeah, yeah. But there's one thing in particular that the Old Testament really, really nails really well. It talks about God's... you got to guess what I'm thinking here now. <laughs> um, it talks about God's holiness. Leviticus, be holy, for I am holy. And I can still see in my mind's eye, you know, uh, David, when they were they're moving the Ark of the Covenant, man, it's like, cool. They were supposed to carry it on poles. But poles didn't make any sense. They put it on a cart. And so they weren't supposed to, but they did. And they got it on a cart, and, and, and they were bringing the, the, uh, um, uh, the Ark of the Covenant up, and, and it started to fall. And so two guys grabbed it. No, don't let it fall. They were, they were killed instantly. Because they touched with their hands the Ark of the Covenant. I'm holy. All scripture is inspired by God. Old Testament, New Testament. It takes both. So in this one, we say God reveals his, himself. In this column, God reveals himself. In this column, what's the one thing then that I might want to change about my world? I want to study OT, Old Testament, and NT, New Testament. I want to study both. Where I come from? From two words, all scripture. Okay. Um... Okay, we're sailing along. What do you what do you observe next? You have to guess what I'm thinking. So try it. You know, go ahead. Say it loudly and guess what I'm thinking. What do you observe next? Yeah, you guys are way ahead of me. You're way ahead. I mean, you're you're, you're absolutely correct. Those are those are correct words. But I'm gonna go really really slowly here right now. Was that before that? Is that's the one you guessed what I was thinking? Yay! Okay. Why do you care about the word is? Here you go. Whenever you study the Bible, it's really, really, really important to study verb tenses. What's a verb? <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, it has to do with time, right? So Johnny was running is past tense. Johnny will run is future tense. Johnny is running is present tense. The word is, uh, it, it, it's timeless. It's timeless. The word of God is. So, so it's, 
It's a state of being verb. It's like you are and he is. Um, you know, you are Roy. Well, you, who were you yesterday? Roy. Who will you be tomorrow? Roy. Who are you right now? Roy. You are. It's a state of being. So in some ways, it's timeless. So then is, explanation, is timeless in this column. So that means then that the word that was alive that Moses wrote, man, hasn't changed. It still is. When Moses got the Ten Commandments, write them down, and God wrote them on his tongue. The Word of God still is. It's timeless. Whoa. Okay. Now we've only got three words. All Scripture. I know what that means. Old Testament, New Testament. Um, all, all, all Scripture. So Scripture is different than just somebody writing it. Uh, it's, it's all Scripture is timeless. And now we have the God-breathed part. Okay? What, talk to me, what picture comes to your mind when I say it's God-breathed? What do you see in your mind's eye? What's that? Light or life. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So, so we might say in this column, yeah, yeah, it's God breathe. Uh, it's a word picture. God doesn't breathe like we breathe. He doesn't have lungs, right? Because if uh, John 4 says he's spirit. But what you get, though, is a word picture because you know what it is to breathe. And if you breathe, you go like this. You go, <gasps> inhale, and you go, <sighs> exhale, God breathe. So you have a picture of God doing this. Where else do we have God breathing? Remember? Creation, exactly. There was a pile of dirt that God kind of gathered together, and it was just dirt until God breathed on it. And when he breathed on it, the dirt became a living soul. Shazam! So you mean to tell me that the word is alive because of God's breath? That's exactly what I mean to tell you. The word of God is alive because of God's breath. The word of God, so we can say like right here in this column, we can say uh, uh, the word of God, W-O-G, word of God is alive, living. It's not stale. It's only stale because we don't get it. It's not hard to, if we let the word of God inside us, it becomes like, this happens to me every, every week, man. I'm, I'm doing this stuff. I don't know what these passages are. And then all of a sudden, God's like, did you see this? Father, I never saw it. When you get into the weeds, say, God, open my eyes because I can't see about you. Unless you reveal it to me, I can't see it. The Word of God really does become alive. Many of you know that really well, right? It's because God's revealing Himself in His Word. Um, so then um, you might say here, one thing I want to do, I want to look for life. As I'm reading, I want to look for life. 
Where's the life in this passage? What's your voice of life to me? All Scripture is, so all Old Testament New Testament, is timelessly alive. Cool. One more thing. Um, where'd it come from? So, who breathed it? God. Not a prophet, and not a teacher, and not any man. All Scripture originated from the guy who brought the breath in. So, all Scripture then, I'm, ex I'm explaining right now, so in this passage here, next slide, uh, all Scripture uh, originates with God. God is, the, so this, this comment should say, originate or came from God. That's the word, came from God. It starts with him. The origin is, is it's not man. So we get, I'll slow down. In some of your versions, you had the word, uh, the word of God is inspired by God instead of God breathed. And so sometimes we can think, ah, oh, some, some dear prophet got so jazzed up, man. They're like, oh, this is good ideas. He's going to write down what he thinks about God. Wrong. Wrong picture. It's not that somebody was so inspired that he wrote on stuff. No, 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 no. We believe that God inspired every word and told the prophet what to write. It originates from God. Listen to this. So when you read this, you read the voice of God. You're hearing the voice of God. I'm telling you, you know, when I was overseas for a while and some of you have been gone for a while from your loved ones, when I got a letter, I kept those puppies forever because I was hearing the voice of my bride. I could, I could hear her voice as she said it. When you get a letter from somebody you love, it's like, this came from God. So no man made it up. No man out of some, oh, I'm so jazzed up. I'm so inspired. No, 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 no. We believe every word is inspired by God. Okay. Okay. Uh, next. What do you see? What's your observations? I'm not trying to trick you, but I'm going to go slow. So what's your observation next? You're afraid now, I understand. Take a risk, come on. What's your observation? That is. And. Okay. What is, what's the deal with and? You know, what's the, okay. You should know this. Some of you, see, you technician people, this is not all language skill stuff. Technicians, I'm sorry, it's language people now, right now. We got it. So in language skills, we understand this whole thing about compound sentences. A compound sentence are, are two ideas related to each other, and joined by the word and. So you would not say, I painted the barn in the morning, and Madison is the capital of Wisconsin. Those are not related. What you would say is, I painted the barn in the morning, and it was blazing hot. Two related ideas joined by one and. Here are two related ideas Joined together by the word and. All scripture is God breathed. And what? What? What about what? There'll be more stuff about the scripture. Now, you can tell me. And what? It's useful. It's useful. As a matter of fact, and you have, if you read this in different versions, this is the only version, NIV is the only one that uses the word useful. If you could NIV or NASB or ESV or they say King's Version, KJV, they all say 
profitable. So it's, it's really, really helpful. It's profitable useful. It's like when you're in a, working on an engine and you need just the right wrench, an extension can be really, really useful, really profitable because an extension gets your, your socket all the way in on the top of the nut, right? So this is like really, 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 really useful for how many things? It's not a trick question. How many things? Not everything. Come on here now. I mean, of course, everything's correct. Of co I'm sorry. Of course, everything is the correct answer. But here he only mentions how many? He only mentions four. I want you not to be smart. Um, so over here, we might say useful for four things. Useful for four. Um, now we had to explain them. How many of them are negative? Two. Explain what rebuke means. Rebuke equals... If I rebuke you, is that a good thing? Oh, have some more ice cream. What's a rebuke mean? What's that? Kick it out. Kick it out, yeah, or sharp. So we could say a harsh. We could say sometimes uh, uh, a harsh correction over here. It's a harsh correction. What's the other thing that's negative? Correction, right. So it's not a harsh correction now anymore. Now it's like um, conform to standard. So um, if, you're, if you're marching on your left foot when everybody else is on the right foot, you correct them. Johnson, get in step. That's a correction. That means there is a standard and you just need to be corrected to that. Okay, so we're, now we've explained them. Now we, we think I know what teaching is, we think. I mean, well, no, maybe we don't. What does teaching imply? Because teaching and training are similar, but different. The Word of God is useful, profitable for four things. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But training and teaching are similar, but different. Correcting and rebuking are similar, but different. Now, the most important question you will ask is, so what? <laughs> so, so, so what? Thank you for asking that question, by the way. Um... Over here in the one thing might be, um, I want to use the word. I want to use it. Why? And this is an amazing thing. I Man, if I was writing this, I'd have said it's useful for teaching because blah, 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 blah. Why? What is profitable or useful to you about knowing God's word? It doesn't hear. He doesn't say it. I wish he would have, but he, he assumes that we will figure. Some of you have been studying God's word for a long time. What's the word of God good for? You're killing me here again. Don't do this. For knowing God. It's useful for knowing God. You cannot know God without it. Excellent. What else is the Bible or knowing the Bible good for? Yes, 
she said, uh, uh, help against uh, temptation. When Jesus was tempted, he just quoted scripture. Psalm 119, verse 10, thy word I've hidden my heart, that I might not sin against you. The Bible helps you in temptation and sin. What else? What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shows up in particular here and also in training in righteousness. What is right? It becomes a standard. The Bible then becomes a standard, which is a great thing, man. That's just teaching. It requires teachers, and it requires students, and it requires a curriculum. So the application here is, is uh, uh, one thing. Some of you are teachers, man. I will teach. This culture needs the Bible more now than ever before in my entire life. We need the wisdom of the living Word of God more now than I've ever seen it in my entire life. Everyone uses words like depression, isolation, sadness, self-hatred. I, you know, I'm. We need life-giving words. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You reflect the glory of your creator. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You are mine and I will keep you. When you go through the waters, they will not overflow you. I will keep you because I have formed you and I will bring you back. I will not stop. I've done all I promise. You know, we just need to hear words of hope in a culture that has no, it's just profitable. It's really, really useful. And so please, man, whether you teach it like I'm teaching it, I'm not preaching now, I'm teaching. Or whether you do it on a mentorship type thing, one-to-one, -one, or meet you for coffee, let's go through the book of John together, get a commentary, read through it. I don't, I don't know. All I know is, you got to teach this. It can't just be me. you got to do it. And so, um, it's just useful. Uh, and, 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 let me just say one more thing. What's the basis for a rebuke? Man, sometimes we have to say to each other, I'm sorry, for Harry, what you're doing is wrong. Your anger is wrong. Um, because uh, everybody walks on, tiptoes around you, they don't want to offend you, you know. Um, and so that's a rebuke. But you cannot say to Harry, I'm mad at you, Harry. Because you're so angry. No, no. You got to say from the Bible. James says, your anger does not accomplish the righteousness of God. I rebuke you because you're just mad all the time. And the Bible says you just can't be. We got to be able to approach you and love you. So when you rebuke somebody, have a chapter and verse. Because that's the standard. Not your personality and not your personal offense level. We should, some, you should, man, if you see me doing stupid, you should rebuke me. Just give me a chapter and verse. Is that fair? And when someone rebukes you, ask for the chapter and verse, and then hear it. Because it's not now between you and them. Now, with chapter and verse, it's between you and God. I have never known a more deaf culture. They won't hear rebuke. You ain't telling me what to do. I'm not. But if God does, you gotta listen. 
Okay, we didn't get through a whole verse in a half hour, right? So this is kind of like, I just kind of wanted to show you this stuff, right? So I hopefully you've got kind of a feel for the whole thing. Um, in these two verses, I think I had 35 observations, you know, so you'll, you'll get better at it. You'll see stuff, but don't be afraid to look at it carefully and say, I don't know that. Why is scripture capitalized? I don't know. What does it mean that uh, the man of God, is that just for men or for women as well? Well, thoroughly equipped, what's different than being thoroughly equipped is just regularly equipped. And what's every good work of me? There's a lot of stuff. The Bible is just so rich because it's alive. And God speaks to us through his Bible. So we got to know his voice, man. I wanted to teach you today how to just get more skilled at just giving it a shot. So I don't care if you get it all wrong, you know, just give it a shot. Oreo, observe. Before you conclude, before you inter observe, ask the question, Father, what are you saying to me? Can I explain what the word all means? <laughs> Can I explain what the verb has, the significance of the verb has? Can I explain it all? And Father, all this stuff, what's the one thing you want me to do? So I... I want you to say, I want to study the Bible more. You know, that, that, that's what I want you to do from today. But you do what God tells you to do. What's the one thing God wants you to do? And may God teach you and give you the joy of learning that makes you never want to stop. Let's pray together. Savior, thank you for your incredible word. And thank you, Father, there are teachers who help teach us. And there are many have written stuff down in commentators, commentaries and, and good books to kind of make sure we know we're between the wheels or we're making sense of what we was discovered. But your word is for us to understand. It doesn't require clergy to kind of figure it out and then have, you know, just a, a pouring over. No, it's for us to understand you more. So I pray for everyone who's heard the sermons, this, 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 this teaching, God. I pray for each one of us that we would be better students of your word. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you want to teach us of yourself. I can't believe we're allowed even to go there. But you invite us because you love us so much. We are humbled. We are amazed. Father, we love you now more than before we came. You are wonderful, God. We love you and bless you and thank you for who you are. And your word in particular, what you've done. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.